What's up, Roku community? This is Matt Weber. Uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, we're the Dogwood Pizza Guys. Um, we started these Facebook groups, pages, and now a sweet podcast to keep the area informed of what's going on behind the scenes in the Brookwood community. Uh, we've got plans to interview principals, coaches, uh, who else do we want? Small business owners, anybody else that uh, you think would provide value to you, the Brookwood community listener. Uh, I've got a similar show going on. It's called What's Up Dunwoody. That's uh, where I live and I work as a realtor. But now this is where I grew up. This is where my pizza shop is. This is my roots. Um, so many of you know my dad, Ron. He'll be the voice of this particular podcast. Since we started the Brookwood Community Forum on Facebook, it seems like the biggest engagement has been on all the rezoning posts uh, that my dad's in the center of. Whether it's for townhomes or just smaller lots, the community, this particular community, seems to fight really hard to preserve our great Brookwood School District. So Ron reached out to uh, Lynette Howard, who is the current, or uh, a current, Gwinnett County Commissioner of District 2. She's running for re-election this fall, and she knows an awful lot about the rezoning process in Gwinnett County. So, without further ado, here is Ron and Lynette. One, two, three! What's up, Brookwood community? From the Dogwood Pizza Studios, this is the What's Up Brookwood podcast. Good morning. I'm sitting with Lynette Howard, our esteemed county commissioner for Gwinnett County. And today we're going to talk about the rezoning process, how it occurs, what happens. And I have a lot of questions for you, Lynette. Welcome to the very plush studios (laughs) at the Dogwood Pizza location. Well, thanks for having me. And this is a great topic because it's something that I'm pretty passionate about been working with zoning as a citizen for over 20 years. Well good. Let's get right into it because I know you have time constraints and uh, incidentally I put out uh, some feeders to the community and they gave me a list of questions back dealing strictly with rezoning and they were actually very good about it. I I expected you know transportation and stuff coming back at me but for the most part they were all really really good about rezoning because in this area it's a, it's a hot button. Everybody cares about their property values. Everybody cares about their their businesses and their school children and the traffic and all of this ties kind of runs around this. So we have some questions for you and uh, I hope that you enjoy yourself today. Let's start off. How can residents watch for and be aware of rezoning requests that are submitted to the county? You can go on on the website and see any kind of zonings that are going on. In this area, they have um, an advocate in you that you pretty much keep track of that. Oh, I miss them. <laughs> but um, but staying aware of it and, and letting pe- and having a network of, of people that um, are looking at zonings and, and if you see a sign going up, they're posted on the properties, letting people know and going and researching it because everything is on our website. So there's, uh, they simply need to be vigilant. Yes and maybe watch monthly, watch for the agendas monthly. Definitely. Uh, I, I used to do that, but I don't do that much anymore. I, I kind of wait for phone calls anymore. And but. you can scan through them because they're all listed by commissioner, and mm-hmm. so just look for my name on it in District 2, and that'll give you the ones that are okay. in this area. It's an eliminate. Okay, so, so watch the website, which is actually the planning department website, correct? Yes. Uh, and. Uh, what I do to find them is uh, I'll go on GwinnettCounty.org, go to Planning and Development, and then uh, look for public hearings. And once you find public he- public hearings, there's a button, a tab on there that you push, and you can bring up the next agenda. Now, how far in advance 
do these people get noticed? You know, I, uh, residents within a thousand feet, I understand, are uh, right. they, they get is it, a, is it a certified letter or is it just U.S. mail? It's a certified letter, and it's done. Um, it's done before the planning commission, so that they they would know about right. it before the planning commission. But what is the leeway from that? Let's say they put a, an application in on the tenth of the month. That I don't know. You probably do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, does it get processed that fast for the next public hearing for the the PC for the planning commission? All I know is if it hasn't gone out before the planning commission, then they ha we have to table it so that there is enough time for it to go out. And you guys have been really good with me anyway about tabling things. Uh, and, and I'm pretty serious about that because if people don't know what's going to happen right next to them, um, that's a problem. So they need to be able to weigh in and have have their fair um, share of or fair time to come up and, and and say their piece about why they they support it or against it. And do you encourage questions from the residents? Do you, uh, I know from history that you respond. I know that Charlotte responds. Uh, I don't have a lot of history with the other commissioners. Uh, I know Chuck Warpington will respond, uh, and my, my district, uh, Rich and Omar, will respond. Uh, I think Jeff probably would if I ever reached out to him. But that's kind of my exposure. The, the, the best thing, I mean, we can back up a little bit. When, when I, I've, I've been in the community doing zonings, um, and the most powerful thing for a community is when a zoning comes in. And if it's already a use by right, and that means that they can build whatever they want to build within the constraints of what they're, they're what zoning. They're and yeah. so when they're going to change their zoning, it's the perfect opportunity for the community to be able to say, these are the things that we would really like to have there, and would you listen to us? And so what's great about different areas in the district, and, and, and the Brookwood district is, is part of the district, is really um, great about this, is the community gets together and goes ahead and starts talking to the developer and starts saying, these are the things that we really want, or these are the things that we're really concerned about. And a lot of times, more often than not, the developer will move to what the community wants. Because if they know what the community wants, then whoever they're going to, if it's houses, if it's, if it's commercial, whatever it is, it's usually going to pull from the resources that are in the community. So if you're making the community mad, it's not a good thing for your development. So um, I think it's the most powerful time for the community to... to have their say and get things modified to where they want them. And incidentally, this uh, podcast will reach the Grayson people. We have a lot of followers in Grayson, and I know that they've become organized over the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, we do go down into the Park Parkview area, uh, the Parkview cluster, and uh, down into Shiloh and South. So, uh, but mostly Brookwood. Lynette, there is a perception that applications are approved unless there's organized opposition unless it's really overly egregious uh overly egregious a tattoo parlor going into an r100 zone okay but there is a perception in the community that applications if if nobody shows up to fight against them that uh, they're just automatically approved it's not automatically approved i mean i have certain rules that i i apply um, if it go if 
If, it, if I wouldn't want it in my community, if I wouldn't want it behind my house, why would I approve it for somebody else? So I, 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 I have that rule, and I have several other ones. But the, but the reality is, if you don't have people there that are saying that this isn't acceptable in our community, um, it's not going to get the attention of enough votes to get it to, to be your way. So yes, you do need to be active. You do need to have your facts straight. You can't argue for things that, that, that won't work. Um, it's terrible to have trailers at schools, but that's not a thing, that's not an, an item that we can base our decisions on. And so traffic, but what kind of traffic? And density, but what kind of density? You have to know what you're talking about. And that's why it's so good to be organized and regularly have a group that's looking at these things so that they can argue with things that can be argued. Because um, usually the applicants have an attorney and they know what they can go to court and sue to get whatever we decide. If it's not a reasonable decision, they can get it overturned. Yeah, I've been a part of a few of those. <laughs> Would you expound on what you accept and don't accept? If an application comes in and it's, you know it's ludicrous, the planning commission knows it's ludicrous, but somebody thinks they can push it through. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but... Right. Um, well, the, 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 the legalities of it, I guess, is what I'm looking at. Well, the legalities of it, if it's a down zoning, usually it's a pretty much slam dunk in the courts that that's an acceptable thing in the community. And so if it's an up zoning where it's more intense, where you have more traffic, which is, is going from residential to office to commercial. Up zoning meaning higher density. Higher density okay. or higher intensive use. Um, it, I mean, commercial, some people would argue, are not denser, but if it's more trips, and so that is the most... Um, trips that are going to impact the traffic that's in the area. And so that's what the courts look at is up zoning and down zoning. They really don't look at the conditions and they don't look at, at modifying it so it's the best that it possibly could be, whatever the zoning is. And so um, that's what's really important about the community. Uh, I've had ideas that I thought that should be in a, in a um, community only to find out that the community didn't have that one of the things is four-sided brick. And I've had communities that have wanted four-sided brick. To me personally, I think it's like a fortress. So I like three-sided brick. And, and I live in a four-sided brick home, <laughs> in a four-sided brick community. Thank you very much. So no offense, but but I, I just, but, but when we have a lot of those and we have gated communities, and I am very adamant about gated communities because there's two problems with gated communities. A lot of people want them, and a lot of developers think they want them, but when you have gated communities, that means that you're protecting somebody from a bad community. It's, a, it's just a perception that I think is wrong, and I always try to do things to build community. Don't you also lose the right to uh, county support for the road system? Exactly. They're private roads, and so many times than not, um, the homeowners do not save enough money to to maintain those roads and then all of a sudden they want to donate it back to the county well they're not written to our specifications so sometimes they're too small for fire trucks to get back there or ambulances and um, it usually in such bad repair that we have to take them all completely out and build them back up which is so expensive and I think it's unfair to the rest of the community and the taxpayers understandable understandable I've seen that happen where they, they, the, the roads begin to crumble 
the homeowners association can't afford it and so they hey county come on in help us out right or bridges i think bridges are probably the washout under bridges and streams and i think that goes into it and mm-hmm. detention ponds and all that okay um do you feel that growth in high density zoning if someone comes in and let's take it to the extreme and say an apartment uh, do you think that has what what do you feel is the impact on crime and on traffic and on schools i think any zoning can within that category whether it's apartments whether it's single family homes or r100 you can have good and you can have bad um you can have it so that it's not planned out very well and you're going to have crime um i have apartments that are um that were at one time really nice and they were executive housing and it really was helpful I live in a part of the county that has more units of apartments versus single family than anywhere else in the county. And so it's a one-to-one ratio. That's an extreme example. And and for a time, it was really bad because we had apartment owners that were not reinvesting in their own apartments. And so we were getting crime regularly. I have started the crime-free multi-housing program. And that is where we empower the management to to make sure that stays safe. But I think that what you're saying is is that um, versus single family. And I have single family that's a lot of rental, and that's a problem too. So it, it's, it's a matter of making sure that you understand what conditions need to be in there, that you don't need to have um, hidden spots, that you have to have clean spaces, you have to have manicured entrances that are, that are nice. Everything has a way to be safe, and there's ways to, to not be safe. And having the police to come in and, and kind of monitor what what is happening. Um, a lot of stairwells that are dark and that are in the back. That's allowing for a lot of crime to happen back there. Um, and so mostly it's the cleanliness. And so it's, it's, it's figuring out how to get something that, um, my, my opinion is, is that if you have property values high enough because the community is so strong, you're not gonna have bad zonings. You'll always have people trying, but you'll have somebody else that knows that the investments, they need to bring it up. So um, I guess that was a long way around it, but um, every I've seen good and bad in every single zoning. And so it's really important to have the community active and staying on top of it. Okay. All righty. So when a developer puts in an application. Can I kind of walk through what sure. I see? He puts in an application and it, it goes to staff, Jerry and his people, I guess, and um, letters, it's, it's accepted, it's stamped. I guess you look to make sure that everything's correct in the application. Uh, then the letters go out to the community. Um, and it's my understanding, whether it's right or wrong, it, it's, it's, it's only about a 10-day window that they need to have between the uh, public hearing and the and the letters the receipt of the letters so the letters would have to go out a couple of weeks in advance so the letters go out the, the community is informed the the little yellow signs go up everyone wants to look for the yellow signs and uh, the next stage of that unless the community organizes and begins asking questions and saying hey what are we going to do about this the next stage would be the uh, uh, planning commission meeting the the first 
Tuesday of the month, mm -hmm. unless there's a holiday. And uh, at that point, there's a public hearing. A decision, well, the, uh, I'm sorry, a staff recommendation will come out. Right. And you have people on staff that look at this thing and say, huh, this could work if we did this. So they might say have an approval with conditions, or they might just say, yeah, it looks good, approval. Or they might say, no, this doesn't make any sense, and they give a denial, and then they explain why there's a denial. And then typically there's, uh, if, if it is approved, you need to do these things, more conditions. Uh, it goes to the Planning Commission. They vote on it. And then two weeks later, it comes, down, comes to, uh, to your board. And I guess you guys look at all the same things. Right. And uh, so that's kind of the process that, that has well, gone there's through. A little, there's a little bit before that as well. There's a lot of, of people who come in with ideas, and they, they, they present them to the planning staff and say, is this a possibility? And they will persuade them to understand that that doesn't even, it's a waste of their time. So a lot of them get eliminated before they ever get there. So there are some, that, and, and, they, and they go to the staff. They go to the staff and okay. they say, is this even a possibility? And they say, really it's not um, for whatever. There might not be sewer capacity. There might not be a history of you know, it's been denied on this piece of property three times, and it's, I mean, if you want to go forward with it, but we're just saying it really doesn't have a great chance. And, um, but there's also another category of people who thought they were in compliance, and they have gotten a zoning, I mean, a, um, a code of violation, and so they have been cited, and they want to go into compliance. They always thought that they could have a beauty parlor there, or whatever. They didn't know that there was regulations, and they were turned in by somebody. And so those processes go through. There's also another category where we have police continually going in there, and their SUP is subject to that. And if they're not, they're not behaving, then their SUP can come before us and say, yeah, we... I've seen you, you've revoked a few of those. I've seen that. Or not revoked, but just didn't renew them. We didn't renew them because they they were... Whatever reason, they were not able to comply with the zoning conditions. And so if that's the case, then, then that, that use can't really go there. Well, also if, if do, I can excuse just sure. a second. For the, for the listening public, SUP uh, is Special so, Use Permit to allow something a little out of the ordinary to go into a space that may or may not fit. And so they apply for the SUP in order to put it in, and as Lynette said, a, a beauty parlor, for example. Right. And so if it's something that's that's a little bit unusual, but the community is, is, is okay with it and they want to try it, um, I will put a sunset on it so that we review it after a year or two years. Usually those are the two. If it's a large investment, I'll do a two-year sunset. But if it's not a large investment, one year is a good amount of time to see. Is crime going up in the area? Is it really fitting in with the community? Is it really what they said they were going to do? And so it's an opportunity for the community to go, yeah, this was a great addition to our community or it's really not working because of these things. Oh no, not another pizza parlor. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, I get a lot of questions, and as, as someone who gets a lot of phone calls when these things come up, I always talk about transitional zoning and the impact the transition has on the decision-making process of, of both staff uh, planning Commission and Board of Commissioners. Mm -hmm. Can you ex can you elaborate on that and and so that every make it simple so everyone can understand 
what transitional zoning is. And I think you touched on it a while ago with that R100 home surrounded by other stuff. So, Well, one, a perfect <clears throat> example is if you've got an established R100 home and you've got commercial and there's one piece of property that's in between the two, you can't really do one, R100 because they're behind commercial. And you really don't want to do commercial because then it's going to affect the R100. So what can you do? You can do a little bit more dense, but what I try to do is I try to encourage the developer and I try to encourage the community to say on the side that it's closest to the R100, it needs to look like R100. And as it gets more towards the commercial, that's where you can get you more of your density. So it really is a, a smooth transition because you can do that within a development. And so maybe you don't even have R100 on the back. Maybe that's where your amenities are or your detention pond that's really nice. So it looks like an amenity. So it's it's a blend for the R100 because the R100 is established. It's a good community. And so you don't want to impact that. You don't want to impact their property values. You don't want to pack their lives. I mean, they've been used to having trees right behind them, and they don't understand the trees cutting down. They do understand it, but they don't like it. And so how can you make it so that it's good neighbors and it's a good situation as they're going towards the commercial? And so those are probably the, one, the, the zonings that I think are most important because they impact us so much. And so um, a lot of people think that we do buffers and that's a misconception. We don't do buffers from residential to residential. We do buffers between residential and office and residential and commercial. And because um, we're trying to separate different uses. But it's if you think about it, it you don't wanna separate neighbor and neighbor. And so that's why I have to explain that. And they're like, well, where's the buffer? It's like, that's not a buffer situation. But it also, there you can have, I've seen zonings coming in where they'll do a RZT, which is, is a, um, a lot denser residential still. And it can be attached or detached. But um, it's, they had five homes for every one home in the R100. Mm -hmm. That's a disaster. If you've got five different people who have five different tastes in fencing, have five different colors that they want on their house, and you're facing all of that, and it's just a hodgepodge mess behind you. And so um, in those instances, I really encourage developers to spread it out so that there's no more than two neighbors that are behind and preferably one neighbor so that it's just like on the other side of the road from the person that's backing up to this development and so um and then i also like standardize only having one choice of fence if you're going to have a fence it has to be this so it ties in within and, the community, within the communi the community and so it all looks it's 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 nice and then um and then they all the other thing that can always be negotiated between the homeowners in the R100 and the new development that I don't get involved in is many times the developer really wants to be a good neighbor and they will make a deal where they can plant on their side so they don't even see the fence and sometimes that is just the perfect solution we had one in instance that um, a homeowner was a master gardener and had all these hydrangeas and so um, they were turning an office behind him it was a house but it was on a main road and was getting busier and busier so they couldn't sell it as a house so he's turning it into a doctor's office and he goes well how are you going to landscape the back of it and he said 
I'm a doctor. I don't know anything about plants. And he said, well, can I come over there and tell you what kind of plants or bring some of my plants and, and put them over there? It ended up being such a great relationship between the two. Um, and the hydrangeas went all the way through it. it. I mean, it's a paradise. And so... Um, it's nice to have builders like that, isn't it? I, it is. I enjoy working with those guys. But that's what that's what we really want to do. And so we like to work with good good builders and good developers and encourage them. And the ones that, that are not as community friendly, it might be exciting for them to be someplace else. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so... Let me let me regurgitate what, okay. I, what I've just heard on, on as far as transitional zoning. Uh, we'll take Highway 78, for example. I know that's Tommy Hunter's, but uh, we'll take that as an example. Okay. Uh, all commercial and industrial and or industrial, institutional, it's, it's high, high density usage. Right. As you come down off of that, say coming down Killian Hill or Hewitt or High Point, uh, you've got, in, in one section, you have a lot of high power lines. Uh, so you've got industrial slash commercial, you've got some power lines in what I guess could be referred to as a buffer, right. since you can't build under a power line. And then you've got neighborhoods starting up. And the, the old county plan zoned them at R100. So a builder comes in and says, it doesn't make sense to put R100 there because I won't be able to sell them. Right. So what makes more sense is to transition from commercial, industrial power lines, maybe with a little more high density, little smaller house, as you move away from it, moving back up to the R100s or R75s as you move further away. Is that... It Pretty is. Much it's, uh, and so a lot of communities <coughs> realize that, and they, they um, many times in our history, when more often than not, the smaller the homes, the more easily they were turned over to rentals. And so rentals are people who are there just temporarily. They don't really invest in the schools. They don't really invest in right. the community. They don't it's engage. Not their property. And so they're not going to maintain it. They're not. Gonna, they're going to just make a phone call and say, you know, the garbage disposal is broken or whatever. Right. So um, the important thing is is to make sure that the quality is there, so that it's not easily falling into r- rental property. And if it's rental, but it's getting high high prices, that's one thing. But um, but you want people who are engaged in the community, and one of the, the one of the really strong things is if you get it more towards um, active seniors, and so that's a great place for that um, because they don't impact the traffic that much, and they are great for volunteering and being active and all sorts of things. Don't impact the schools either. And and they don't impact the schools, but they also they do impact them if they're retired teachers, if they're retired professionals, they're and they love volunteering and helping kids read, helping kids with their math mm-hmm. and science, and so it's a real asset. And so figuring out how you make that attractive for that and make it and, and offer that as the community really needs to be organized so that they know what they do want in their community and what they don't. Um, I've had communities that really wanted to get more restaurants, and so that was really important to them. They didn't want any more fast food. They wanted no more pizza. <laughs> yeah, they already have the best pizza. That's Why would right. they need there to get another go. one? So, um, so they, it's really important for the community 
to know what they want and go out and really push for it because um, it's 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 how you build community, but it's how you have pride and you have what you want. And so um, businesses really like to, to offer what people want so that they can be successful. So it just ends up being a win-win situation. And it's our community, so we need to we need to have a say in it. So I've heard you say several times that it's important for the community to rally around itself and organize. And what I think I heard you say was that even though as a community member, I feel that the uh, process has a very short fuse on it. From the time the application goes in, the letters go out, the, the first public hearing, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, it is, the, the intent is for the community to find out about it to organize, to begin conversations with preferably the developer, the attorney, the builder, and uh, if there's not enough time, to start talking with the planning commission and say, hey, can we table this for a month because we're not ready to, we don't even understand what he's trying to do. Or we haven't had time to organize. We don't, you know, I've, I've gone into these where there's five different neighborhoods involved and none of them have an HOA. Right. And you know, who are the leaders in the neighborhood? And I've literally had people going door to door, putting flyers in the mailboxes and, sorry, Postal Service, uh, putting flyers in the mailboxes and knocking on doors saying, you know, this is important to us. Well, one of the, one of the things that, that I always encourage, I came from United Peachtree Corner Civic Association, and I was the land use vice president of that. It's so important for me as a planning, com I mean, for me as when I was a planning commissioner and now as a county commissioner, to have key people, because a lot of times people kind of pitch an idea that they want for a zoning, and they were like, Lynette, what do you think? And I said, I'm not the person that you have to make happy. Can you please contact these two organizations? They're in the area, and they're the ones that can get it out. They can get the information out and get information back to you to see, yes, it's going to happen. You know, we'd love it. We're embracing it. We'll support you, or we're fighting it. And so it's just a waste of their time and their efforts to go through engineering, to go through getting an attorney to do anything if the community is not going to embrace it. And so that's why I really pride myself that I have the, the least amount of red shirts out of all the... Ah. <laughs> because we work it out in the beginning. Or in Grayson's case, green shirts. <laughs> green shirts. But what we do is, is we really work way ahead of... Before. If it's getting, in getting decided and negotiating at the, at the planning commission... Um, that's too late. That's not where you can get real meaningful yeah. stuff done. So, so don't wait. To don't wait. Because you only get 10 minutes. Exactly. And then and what if, do you, you do when the, the person gets up and says, I've lived in this community for 37 years, and this is the, you know, and it just like, eats up your time. Well, and when you have a community that you have dealt with on a previous zoning and they made they made good sense on the on what their 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 asks were, and then you go down to the next zoning, you listen to them, and it's like, because they've done their homework, they've worked with it, they know what they can ask for and they can't, they should not ask for, and it just makes the whole process go faster. But if we're, I'm having to change conditions just because of what I heard in the 10 minutes, um, I don't have time to not make likely. sure that I, that I have reasoned it out and that I'm not you know, putting a fence where I just said that there wouldn't be a fence or they're complicated and they can get complicated. And I'm fine with complicated, but I'd like that worked out with the community beforehand. 
And so, um, and I'm, I have the luxury of many different communities have worked together and banded together and seen that they can get together in zoning and then they also can work together on beautification of the area, of, of helping businesses that are struggling and um, making it something that they want to, to really promote. And it's really about building community. The question that I, I uh, had, had one of my, my uh, listeners send in was it just seems like if it's zoned R100 it's going to become R75 now and R75 is still a nice size lot uh, and I've heard that sewer versus versus septic ties into that and that uh, a lot of the community when they when they talk with me they say well it's not going to stay R100 it's just going to be R75 because that's what they'll approve well Sewer versus septic is a really huge concern. It's concern for the whole county, and it should be concern for everyone. Um, we need to move more towards sewer and septics. The regulations are getting tighter and tighter. They just not they're not going to be loosened. They're going to be made tighter and tighter. No, what I'm saying though is if if, but, if we but, have an R100 that but, is is sewer. Um, but if we have an R100 that is sewer, I mean it. It's you have. You can have a good R100, but you can also have a bad. You can have a better R75. And sometimes an R75, let me just say, if it could be R100, it probably already would be. The, the, the lots that are left are more challenging. And sometimes R75 can get you a better layout that's less impactful than an R100 because an R100 has to have a certain number of square feet. An R75, you can make it so that it actually looks and feels like an R100, but it has more flexibility on where they can lay the roads and lay the sewer and lay everything. And so um, I don't see a lot of difference between R75 and R100. You can you can control it on the on number of units per acre. But getting them laid in, sometimes in the more difficult lots that have a lot of elevation issues, an R75 would actually, I've seen people choose the R75 over the R100. So again, it's a matter of being active, looking at it, and looking at the whole picture. And the R75, what I've learned is that uh, there's more strict building standards on an R75 than there is an R100. Uh, you can you can dictate the square footage of the home, for example. Uh, obviously, it goes into the. I think R75 now is 10,500 feet uh, of uh, land area, uh, but the and then 15,000 for R100. But on an R100, the qualifications, the stipulations, the specifications that can apply to it are much more flexible. That you could you could put a 2,000 square foot home in when an R75 you'd have to put a 3,000 square foot home in and so R75 is a little bit more stringent if you're trying to have a controlled area that's very consistent with the surroundings is that is that correct well and, and, and to make it a little bit more <clears throat> simple is if it's an R100 by right there really aren't any conditions most R100s have been R100s for decades maybe started out as a trailer and so if you're going and having a, a, a zoning that's going to an R75, that's the perfect time to put conditions on there that will make sure that it looks like the nicer R100. Because the, the nicer R100 didn't have to follow 
the regulations that they had. They probably didn't have any. Um, just like you're saying, just the square footage. It didn't say that they had to have, you know, what kind of facades. They could have had stucco. They could four have four sides brick. <laughs> like, but but on the R75, you can ask for four yes. side brick, and you can ask for certain certain things like sidewalks and amenities that are in there, um, trails that connect to the sidewalk system. You can ask for um, better quality landscaping that has a definite number of trees. And what does that look like? Front-facing front garages or rear-facing garages. You can also talk about having alleys so that you don't have any driveways on the front. So it's all sorts of, of different things that you can look at to say, this is what we want in our community. And and more often than not, developers are like, that's a good thing because they know that if they build it right, a lot of people that live in that subdivision right next to it are gonna go into their neighborhood. They're gonna sell their home and move in. And that's the way, if, if you've got a healthy developer and he's got a community that's been engaged in it. And even if they don't sell their home, they might get their parents to move there or they might get their best friends to move there and they have it's a good neighbor um, community so it's an opportunity like I said at the beginning it's an opportunity to get what the community really wants on that piece of property when a zoning comes in so what I'm hearing you say and I pretty much run through the gamut of the questions and any listeners out there that I missed your question I'm sorry I'll try to follow up on it but uh, it's important for the community to get involved, to organize, to, to have uh, community leaders, maybe every subdivision have a leader, uh, talk with each other, expand on it, and rather than just thinking that this is a battle going in, uh, get in touch with the developer, get in touch with the builder. Get in touch with the commissioner. Get in touch with the, the well, planning commissioners. Planning commissioners. And, and, and the, the county commissioners, and uh, let them know how you feel. And uh, letters and emails, I know you get you get uh, swamped with them, uh, but that it's not as hardcore as some people think that it is. When the letter goes out, well, we only yeah, you know, this thing comes up in a week and a half, and we don't have time to do this now. So now I've got to rally all these people. We've got to put red shirts on. We've got to show up at the public hearing. We've got to yell and scream and rant and rave. And the fact of the matter is. They don't have to do all that. No, they don't. And if, if they would just ask, hey, we haven't had time, let's table this so we can we can get organized. And, of course, then they would actually have to get organized. But, but if uh, they're already organized, it makes it a perfect – nothing good ever happens um, large quickly. And so if, if you back up and you have a good relationship and you've built those relationships and you have people that are coming in with development and they know that this area really wants that kind of development, it's, it's, a, it's just a very smooth transition. And so when you have those relationships already built with the commissioners, the plan commissioners and the, and the county commissioner, you have those relationships with each other in the neighborhood so that you don't have one neighborhood that wants it and the next neighborhood doesn't want it they can start talking and they can start having common ground where they get what they want. And so um, it really is an, a, a, a difficult formula. It's really about making sure that you are active in your community. And so um, I really commend you and, and your friends. They, you have built those relationships over the years. And, and so we've, we've had some, I think, some pretty good successes in, in zonings because everybody knew what we were wanting. 
Well, for things that we could get into on this, we've pretty much exhausted the questions. Um, would you be willing to come back for another another session on another topic sometime? I would love the, to. Uh, uh, one of one of the questions I had was how do you go about uh, actually long-term planning for the county? And I think that would be, a, uh, especially in, in lieu of what's going on right now, I think that would be an excellent topic. Uh, anything else you'd like to say to anyone? Um, please get involved and please, if you need a yard sign, I'd love to give you one. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I, didn't, I did not mention that Lynette is up for re-election. This was not supposed to be a political You can deal. cut that out. Okay. <laughs> but, um, um, but, but get, in, get involved and, and, and meet your neighbors and talk about things that are going to happen and impact your community. And, and what I would add to that is that when I started doing this many years ago, it, it was adversarial. I, I would go in as fighting. And I've learned that if you go in and ask questions and try to be nice, you really get much better results than you do ranting and raving and saying, no way, we're not going to do this. Because once you find out about transitional zoning, for example, and how the legalities affect that and all the court precedents and, and everything that ties into that, uh, it, it seems to make a whole lot more sense and uh, it's, it's much less stressful. So, Lynette, I'd like to thank you for coming out this morning. This fine, we're to these beautiful studios here. <laughs> and uh, well, thank, thank you, you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, if you aren't already a subscriber, make sure you go into whatever podcast app you are using and hit that subscribe button. That way, the next time we release the episode, it will automatically be sent to your phone and to give you a nice little alert. We would also love if you left us a review on any of our podcast apps or um, Facebook. We would love to get a handwritten note. We would love for you to do it the old school way and tell your friends about us. Maybe we will uh, pick up a listener or two, and we'll talk to you soon.